from indies to foreign films, from the underseen to the underrated, this is Not Your Average Movie Podcast. All right, everyone, welcome to Not Your Average Movie, movie Podcast. Podcast. Woo! I think that was the smoothest intro we've ever had, yeah. actually. We might start a band after this. Wow, we're going to start the biggest band ever. Just the two biggest people. band, just two people. Yep, two people, big band music. Here we come. All right. Well, welcome to Not Your Average Movie Podcast, guys. Your home for underseen, underrated, and just generally films that need to be seen by the general public. And today we're talking about When Marnie Was There. In this world... There's an invisible magic circle. There's an inside and an outside. And I'm outside. Why is it that mansion feels familiar somehow? It's really best for you to stay away from that old marsh house. Throw me the rope! Hurry! In my dreams, I saw a girl just like you. I've been here for a long time. I wish that I was you. I, I can't go very far from the mansion. I don't care who Marnie really is. I just want to help her. Anna! Marnie! Promise me something. That will remain a secret forever. A young girl is sent to the country for health reasons, where she meets an unlikely friend in the form of Marnie. A young girl with flowing blonde hair. As the friendship unravels, Marnie has closer ties to the protagonist than we might expect. This was directed by Hiromasa Yonebayashi. When Marnie was there, it's a Studio Ghibli movie. Uh, one of the last, I think it is the last uh, to date uh, Studio Ghibli movie. Sort of. They made one more, but apparently it's really bad. It's weird because it's not even really anime style. It's like a weird 3D animation, like almost looks like a bad Pixar movie. Oh, is it a, um, uh, what was it called? It was like that big monster it, thing. It was called like Earwig and the Witch or something. That sounds legit. I think you got it. I hope I got it. Yeah. <laughs> but again, uh, released by Studio Ghibli, which debatably the biggest anime studio in Japan, at least definitely directed towards kids and known for basically being the Pixar of Japan. Yeah, it's basically like the 2D Pixar. It, it's got these uh, good, valuable lessons for kids and uh, basically anybody that you kind of don't get in most Pixar movies. It's kind of like a different, uh, a cultural the difference. The themes feel a lot more adult, I feel like, yeah. in Studio Ghibli movies. So, Adam, overall, what did you... Uh, what do you think about uh, when Marnie was there? I really enjoyed this movie. I think it was my second Ghibli movie. 
Uh, the first was Spirited Away that we watched together a couple weeks ago or maybe a couple months ago. I don't know. Time, time is a construct. Yeah, it had the same kind of just uh, dreamy feel. There's the beautiful, like, hand-painted, it looks like, animation and the depiction of childhood and kind of like a nostalgic way uh, that I can identify with. Um, and, and this one, like, really, they don't say what she has other than asthma, but I think she had a panic attack. So, like, I think this is, like, a pretty good depiction of anxiety and someone overcoming anxiety and depression uh through uh summer away with some relatives and exploring the outdoors and making a new friend yeah i think it was a good movie i really enjoyed it it has like a really nice relaxing feel to it i fell asleep the first time i tried watching this movie just because it was really late at night but it's also just like so chill at points uh, until like maybe the ending it was like kind of soothing to watch yeah more than like all studio ghibli movies i feel like are soothing to watch in one scene or another but this more than most of them deviates away from like the more surreal stuff like i feel like a lot of studio ghibli movies are very fantasy oriented and this still has a bit of fantasy in it but it's probably the most real world like studio ghibli has ever gotten i don't want to like spoil anything yeah but... no we, we <laughs> eh, i we will have some things to say in the spoiler section when that rolls around yeah um but yeah for most of the movie uh it could be like a real life story uh there's really not too much fantasy uh not too many like crazy mythological characters or anything like that no magic really yeah you always get the feeling something's happening but you're not particularly sure what yeah there's a bit of a mystery there and also if you just know studio ghibli you know that they thrive in the realm of fantasy no spoilers about anything but just the fact that you get it right off the bat that there is something odd about this place that um the main character anna which for some reason the Summary never mentioned her name. The main character's name is Anna, and she meets her friend uh, Marnie, which, again, this is an issue with me and not the movie, but every time I hear M Marnie, I just think of Barney. Every time. I'm just like, oh, hi, kids. In the beginning of the movie, I think I missed Anna's name. So I was like, is this Marnie? Is this Marnie? Like, and she's going there, and it's just like about Marnie going to this place. I don't know. And then we met Marnie like it was like a third of the way through the movie. Yeah. Well, I like that this movie takes its time. It's all, it's barely a kid's movie, honestly. But I think it has a lot of themes that kids should, you know, latch on to. And yeah, it's kid friendly enough to be a kid's movie. But you're not used to seeing such like realistic depictions of anxiety and uh, depression, panic attacks and like a kid's movie. Yeah, and you also don't see many, at least American kids' movies, take their time. Yeah. And like take a moment to breathe, which I think is one of the things that Studio Ghibli does better than any animation studio out there. Yeah. Like we said, even in Spirited Away, where they just sit on a train and be quiet and just watch the scenery go by for like maybe five minutes. And in this movie, a lot of this movie is about not just the feeling within Anna, but the feeling of this place that she's spending her summer vacation. 
Yeah, like a lot of the movies re- we reviewed, the location is a character in this movie. Yeah, exactly. And I think it helps tell Anna's story very well. And also, this goes without saying for anyone who knows Studio Ghibli already, but this movie is beautifully animated. Yeah. Like, just every frame is a beautiful drawing. Yeah, it makes me want to go to that marsh in uh, northern Japan and just explore and, you know, be in that rural town. Say, get a rowboat. Like, I need a summer over there when next time I get stressed out. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's... There was ever a place to meditate or just like take a boat out to sea and just forget about life. Yeah. Then again, anime does a few things very well. It's making picturesque places like big landscapes look beautiful and making food look damn delicious. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Every time anime brings food in for whatever, I don't know what they do to it, but food always just looks so good in anime. Was there a food scene in this? I'm I'm thinking of, um, the parents just like pigging out and spirited away and that that food looked delicious there is only one in this movie and i think it's when she's like eating like a fried egg or something mm. and that and oh yeah um marnie's parents party where there's a whole food buffet and i've just noticed that in every studio ghibli movie there's food somehow inserted and i'm always like there's no reason other than damn that food looks good yeah it was just fun for them to animate and it's it it's even better than watching a cooking show like it just makes you hungry watching it and for me overall with this movie i need to watch it again with the context of what we'll discuss um the main thing at the end because that's a huge impact of how i felt about this movie because i really enjoyed this movie i was loving it and i was expecting a certain direction with it and it didn't go that direction which threw me off really hard at first same i I think we were thinking the same thing yeah and then once i thought about it more i'm like it makes sense once i gave it some thought and like got a moment to be like this isn't going the direction where i thought it was going but the direction that it went is still good i just want to watch it now with the context i have now yeah with kind of an appreciation of what it, the story actually is yeah what it actually became rather yeah. than what we thought but yeah i'd say overall beautifully animated a well-told story beautiful animation great characters i'd say my only big negative of the movie was again not even a negative but just the fact that i got thrown off and there was once or twice that i think the english dubbing got a little messed up Maybe not messed up, but maybe I missed something. Like Like, a mistranslation or? Not even a mistranslation. There's just one or two points where Anna was just mean out of nowhere. And I'm like, like, it felt like it came out of nowhere. Like it was more of a translation and she meant to say something else. Like towards the beginning? Yeah. Hmm. It's not really much of a spoiler. She calls some one other girl a fat pig. It's not like that girl was being mean to her previously. Or, like, that girl was doing anything to her. I'm like, what? Huh? Like, there's being anxious and there's being depressed and then there's just calling someone a fat pig for no reason whatsoever. I interpreted it as her, like, actively pushing people away that are nice to her because she's afraid of getting close to people. I guess so. It just see, well, A, using the insult fat pig didn't help it either. Yeah. But it was just so 
sudden. Like, I've seen people push people out, and that just felt like a, I don't know, I'm going to insult you out of nowhere real quick. And I was just like, I feel like that either went over better or translated better. Yeah, maybe there's like a untranslatable like slur or something in Japanese that means fat pig. Yeah, because to me, it felt like us talking right now. Then if I just looked at you went, you fucking fat pig. Yeah. I'd be it'd be like, wait, what? That came out of nowhere. Yeah. And I guess it's not too much of a spoiler. The girl's mom like goes over to um, the aunt. Yeah. And she complains that Anna called the girl a fat pig and then threatened her with a knife. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, there was that. The aunt like just shrugged off like, oh, she wouldn't do that. And then later there's a scene where they're cooking together. And she repeatedly compliments her knife skills. I'm wondering if that's like, you know, meant to be a slight at her trying to get like a some kind of reaction out of her or whatever. I don't yeah. know that that was the other one. I was trying to think of because there were other times I was just like, that felt odd. Maybe it's a coincidence that the writers didn't even see. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it happens from time to time. Usually Studio Ghibli is one of those studios that does an amazing job at dubbing and getting actual big hollywood talent and not just random whoever they can to dub over and that's one thing we should address obviously with this whole discussion we both watched it dubbed rather than in its original subtitle language yeah i think if i rewatch it it'll be in the subtitles yeah i would love to watch it in subtitles but the dub actors did like a really good job it didn't sound like they were just like phoning it in yeah they were giving genuine performances yeah, there were a few people that me and Ali had to be like, was that him? I can't remember which character he was, but John C. Riley was in here for a hot second. What? As, um, uh, I think he's the uncle. And also the old woman who was, um, Marnie was living with, pretty much her old grandma, was, um, Moira Rose. Oh. Huh. Yeah, like Studio Ghibli, especially when they do the dubs, gets big actors. Yeah, and Haley Steinfeld uh, voiced Anna. So, yeah, I'm not sure if we have too much for the non-spoilers section because I want to, again, jump into the spoilers real bad because I feel like a lot of the context of this movie and a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about rides on that ending. Yeah. But yeah, I would just say going into this, know that it is a slower movie. It is not a kid's movie is in like don't go into this thinking you're getting ice age or minions or even toy story where it's like you know characters getting into hijinks making jokes every few seconds running around no this is a very adult movie but with the feel of being a kid think more like a stand by me even where it's just kind of kids living their life and going through the trials and tribulations of childhood yeah uh, anything else you gotta say in the non-spoilers, Adam? No, it's just such a. It just gives me th- that good feeling of like being on, like a summer break and exploring the outdoors and making a friend. There's always in, in these Ghibli movies. There's always kind of like a a friend uh, that acts as the catalyst for the plot of the movie, and it takes the main character kind of out of their shell and they go on this adventure. Um, and yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed the movie and it was really good. All right. Well, I think that's all for the non-spoilers. So let's move to that spoiler section. Spoiler section. 
All right, so normally I like to go just kind of from beginning to end. But in this case, why don't we start at the end and work our way backwards? I feel like it's easier with these like sudden endings where everything is revealed. Yeah, the ending definitely makes you look at the movie in a different light. I didn't know what their relationship was like Anna and Marnie. Like, is this a platonic friendship movie? Is this a romance? Like, what's going on? Until the ending, I was like, ooh, they were so close to kissing, it felt like. I'm so glad that didn't happen. Yeah, I know. I was like, I thought for sure this was a romance movie. And I was like, wow, what a movie to accidentally pick for the beginning of Pride Month. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And no, it's not a romantic movie. Like, I got the feeling through this whole movie that Anna and Marnie were developing a romantic relationship. Like they kind of lean into each other. They go on moonlit rows. They're each other's little secrets. And they were that right age. That's the first age that you start dating. You start looking at other people. You start, you know, getting attracted to other people. And even just them drawing like them blushing on each other sometimes. I felt like it was a movie about romantic love. And then the ending reveals, no, the entire time Marnie has been Anna's grandmother. And obviously it's never quite explained the magic or the fantasy. And I'm kind of glad it isn't. I'm glad it's just, this is what it was. There's no need for any big explanations. But Marnie, through either the power of this house or some weird time travel thing, like I'm sure people have theories about it. I, I think it's ghosts because uh, the John C. Riley character was like, ooh, there's ghosts in the mansion and in the silo. I think she was a ghost. True. Yeah, that would actually, that makes a lot more sense. than. Or maybe it was intended as like a psychotic uh, hallucination because they were vague about her condition. Yeah, true. It could just be all in her head. Yeah. But yeah, this entire movie, I went, in the direction of believing this was a romantic love. And no, it's more about familial love and self-love, which threw me off at first. But once I got a moment to think back more on the movie, I'm like, there isn't a single moment that it doesn't make sense that it's either familial love or self-love. Right. There's no moment where it is distinctively like, oh, this should feel romantic or this distinctively is romantic once you go back and look at it. Yeah. And even view, I think just with our view of it in a modern lens and with so many films and movies tackling same sex relationships, I thought that's where it was going. Yeah. I feel like I just need to rewatch the movie with context because right now it's kind of like a seven out of 10, eight out of 10. And I feel like it could shoot up at nine out of 10 if I like rewatched it with the context I'm now given. Yeah. And I feel like looking back, Marnie takes really a nurturing role in this relationship between her and Anna uh, in a way that like a grandmother or even a mother would. Uh, And she's just trying to bring Anna up and uh, bring up her confidence and tell her that she's the best and she loves her more than any other girl she's ever known, which I thought was like a very romantic thing for her to say at the time when she said it. But it really makes sense as kind of like a motherly role. And she was like dressed like somewhat Victorian 
too. I and like everyone at like her parents' party, they all had like 1800s clothes on, and I didn't put the pieces together. Like, oh, maybe they're not from this time until later. I was like, oh yeah, of course. Like, why is she in wearing a dress from the 1800s? She's a ghost. I feel like I always knew she was experiencing the past with Marnie. A, because of the Victorian era clothes, and B, as soon as they got to that party that her parents were throwing, that I could just tell everyone was speaking in kind of an older fashion. They all were dressed up in different era clothes. The entire abandoned mansion was completely redone. Yeah, it like completely transformed as soon as they like got close to it. Yeah, and I thought what you thought was it was either ghosts or they were in the past. And come to find out, probably ghosts, but who knows? So going back to us figuring out that Marnie is Anna's grandmother after the whole event. Well, actually, why don't we start back from the beginning now? Okay. Since we got kind of the big ending twist out of the way and we can kind of move forward from there. Unless you have something else about the ending twist that. Um, no. All right. Yeah. But yeah, so basically at the beginning, all we see is Marnie coughing and she's being seen by a doctor and he's saying basically the air pollution is causing her a great deal of pain because of her asthma. But they also mention she's not getting along with kids at school. She seems despondent. She just seems like she has more issues than just the physical issues. Yeah. And that's what you were saying with how this movie never directly says she has anxiety or depression, but shows it and tackles it visually too. It doesn't beat you over the head with, she's got a mental illness, she needs help, but it just shows you it. And I feel like that makes it that much more meaningful when Marnie does help her achieve that self-love and figure out that she is loved. Yeah, and at that age, a lot of kids don't have a name for what they're going through, but they can identify that feeling. So I think there's a value in not even naming it and just like showing what she's going through. And kids are like, oh yeah, I have trouble getting along with other kids and uh, I push people away and they might find a way to get through that. Maybe they'll go and break into a haunted mansion and that'll solve all their problems. (laughs) Either that or it's just all in your head and she just figured out her own problems, I guess. I don't know. It was that good fried egg. Oh, yeah. She ate that. Come to find out it was just a super moldy, gross fried egg that was still there. (laughs) And it solved all of her problems. Mm -hmm. Just that beginning part where she's moving into the countryside and it's got that typical Ghibli, beautiful landscape shots where they're showing the beauty and the mysticism of just nature in general which i think they they kind of do that in all their movies where they're like oh nature's so beautiful look at it yeah and a lot of the times that that comes with humanity destroying the forest in this case there's just no humanity destroying the forest it's just this place is beautiful it's serene and just the way they animated it again brought back memories of childhood and just going on a lake house I think the animators portray it as a peaceful place because it's supposed to be therapeutic for her. Yeah, so she goes over there. She meets her aunt and uncle for the first time. She's going to be living with them for the summer. 
And immediately she's still the same child she was in the city. Obviously, she's just not going to change over time. She tries to make a few friends. And then like we were saying before, she calls one of them a fat pig out of nowhere, which confused me because, again, there's pushing people away. And then there's just insulting them out of nowhere for no reason whatsoever. Was she trying to make friends or was she just kind of like forced to mingle with the local kids? I'm not 100% sure. I don't think she wanted to be there. Okay. She didn't want to be there in the first place. Yeah. So maybe that's why she just tried any of her means to make them go away. Yeah. Like when she was home in the city, like on that like uh, park bench, she was avoiding everyone else. And the chaperone came over to try and be nice to her. And he was interested in what she was drawing. And that's when she had like her panic attack. So at the beginning of the movie, she was still coming from a place of not wanting to open up to anyone. Uh, and that kind of pressure uh, when someone is nice to her uh, causes her to kind of break down and be mean and say things that don't make sense, like you fat pig and allegedly pull out a knife. Allegedly. But allegedly. That, again, that, that one still doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that doesn't like, make any sense. Outside of maybe her daughter is a middle school and just exaggerated, but yeah, that's, a big, that's a big exaggeration. Yeah, but There's, those knife skills, though. But yeah, once uh, Anna goes there, she starts trying to push people away. And then she meets this girl, Marnie, that's just kind of wandering the lakes out by her house and starts, you know, talking to her. They start developing a friendship. It did seem kind of weird how quickly she accepted Marnie as opposed to the other girls. Yeah, I don't know what it was about Marnie other than like maybe she was connected to this place that she was already interested in. Uh, Anna was already exploring the mansion and she saw a girl that was living there. So that probably drew in her fascination. But she also kind of looks like Princess Peach. Like she's just like this bubbly friendly looking person this was another thing that made me think that it was pointing towards a romantic relationship because she did accept her so quickly and part of my thought was well maybe she's realizing oh i'm kind of attracted to you as right. opposed to the other girls which are just you know trying to be friends and be friendly i think i still think from anna's perspective it was romantic at at least at some point I'm not 100% sure about, again, this is why I need to rewatch this movie with the context now to see if there is any moment that I'm like, this isn't familial love. This is romantic. Because um, she doesn't know it's familial love and she says things to her. I mean, maybe friends uh, express that level of love to one each other, one another, like that early on meeting each other. but like. I don't know. It, it just felt like from Anna's perspective, that was like a romantic declaration to say, I love you more than any other girl I've ever known. I, I, I'm still not 100% sold on it. I feel like I just need to go and see. But yeah, that's another part that made me very much lean towards the romantic love angle was towards the end when Marnie and Anna, obviously in any one of these movies, they have to have some sort of misunderstanding where they're broken apart for a little bit, but then they get back together and they're like, I love you more than any other person. And you're right. That declaration of love felt very romantic. And like felt like she was going through a breakup the day after uh, the silo. 
when they were both trapped in the silo and she woke up alone and felt betrayed. It felt like she was going through a breakup that day. Yeah. So this whole breakup happens because Marnie and Anna go to the silo that Marnie has always claimed has made her frightened and she's been scared to go up to. And Anna's like, let's go take on this fear together. Let's confront these fears together, which, and never leave each other. And Anna, like, I think visually it was drawn in a way that she was dragging Marnie up to the silo in a way. I mean, not physically dragging, but she like had her hand. So it had that kind of like, um, uh, it looked like it would be triggering for Marnie just in the way that it was happening. I don't know. Well, it almost felt like it was supposed to be a metaphor for yeah, a metaphor for Anna confronting her own anxieties and depression and having someone there who finally loved her and she could realize that she was loved, that she could face this big, dark thing that had been eluding her this entire time which they say is Marnie's problem, that Marnie can't go into the silo, yeah. can't confront her fear of the silo. And it's the same thing with Anna, with her own emotions and her own need to be loved and her feeling that no one actually loves her, that she needs to confront these feelings. And she finally has someone who loves her and she knows she's loved to go up into this tower and confront those feelings. Yeah. The one thing that annoyed me about Anna which I forgot to post as a negative in the non-spoiler section, was the reason why she doesn't feel loved. Like when she goes ahead and explains it. And so she goes ahead and explains to Marnie that the reason she doesn't feel loved is because she discovered her adopted mother is getting payments from the government for having her there. Yeah. Again, maybe it's just because it's teenagers. They're very like, take everything way too literally, don't give it a chance to think about it. But it's one of those like, well, of course she's getting some money to take care of you from other people. How does that equate to you not being loved? But also, this is also showing the fact that I haven't dealt with serious anxiety. I've never dealt with serious depression of that idea that you think everything and everyone either doesn't love you or is out to get you in some way, shape, or form. I've never had those feelings. So Yeah, she's also like, 13 years old I, I think it's easy to have like low self-esteem at that age that could definitely like hurt it uh, just knowing that your parents get paid it's just like I, I'm sure there's a bunch of like Disney Channel episodes about like someone being paid to be your friend and then they become like genuine friends throughout the course of the episode and then one friend finds out hey you're getting paid for this and the other friend is like well, yeah, it was like that at first, but now we're actually really good friends. I'm sorry. So I, I feel like that's such a like 13-year-old thing to get upset about. <laughs> like a mentality? Yeah. Just a bad mentality. Of but how. like, I don't know, if, if Allie was paying me to be your friend, then how would you feel? Well, yeah, but they're not paying her to be her adopted mom. She adopted her. And they're giving her money to take care of her, which, again, is one of those things. Maybe I put too much faith in teenagers to know better than that. But also, like, again, she has a bunch of issues that I've never had to deal with and that I've never that I've never felt that way before. 
But yeah, her and Marnie go up to the silo. Let me think what else happened in between us figuring out the grandma. There was a bit of foreshadowing. There was like a flashback uh, when they were in the silo. And I forget the character's name, uh, but he was the guy who saved Marnie from the silo back when the uh, maids like trapped her up there. Uh, and he ended up being her husband. And Anna looks like her. So that's that kind of shows like the familial ties. There. Yeah, the foreshadowing leading up to that. Well, and then throughout the course of the summer, Anna ends up becoming friends with this one little girl, clearly younger than her and everything, but makes a new friend through trying to figure out this whole thing with Marnie because Anna's going back to this house, realizing that a whole new family's moving in there and finds Marnie's diary, which the little girl who she eventually befriends was holding for her thinking Anna was Marnie because again another foreshadowing point she thought she was Marnie because based on the descriptions and everything and her looking at the house the way she did the girl probably had some sort of inkling that Anna was somehow related to Marnie and vice versa I thought at one point that Anna was like writing these diaries and blacking out I thought that's where the direction it was going and I, I think that's what Anna thought, too, at one point. Like, she was just kind of questioning everything. But she didn't care if Marnie was in her head or not. She just loved Marnie and wanted to spend time with her however she could. Yeah, well, and even the diary shows that she isn't time traveling necessarily because everything that happens with Marnie and Anna still happened, but just happened slightly differently. Or there's no mention of Anna anywhere in it outside of the fact that she says she danced with a nice boy outside, but she does with Anna. But outside of that brief thing, everything happens in the same in the diary that happens when Anna is with Marnie. Yeah. Just slightly different. Or there's no account of her there. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think there's a reason why they have Anna's new friend deliver this diary to her and everything yeah because she's like a real life friend like the next time that anna goes back to the countryside she'll have like a real friend that cares about her and they can spend time together without having to time travel or uh, be ghosts or whatever or panic attack your grandma back into existence yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah she just makes a new friend there and i think there's a reason why they have her new friend also deliver her you know, the story of her old friend, the one who's showing her that it's okay to love yourself and there are people who love you out there. Even if you don't have like a biological family, like the people who accept you in, or even if your biological family sucks, you do have a family and they will accept you for who you are and support you. Yeah. Like this whole movie is about apparently familial love. And I think that's the theme that runs through. And I think even more than familial love is that self-love aspect of it. Yeah. So she made the new friends. She took Marnie up to the silo. There's one point where when they first meet, they go to a part, big lavish party that was held by Marnie's parents. And they're basically just getting into, you know, a bunch of kids shenanigans, like sneaking up into Marnie's room to go play sneaking into the party, having dancing with each other, 
doing the nice midnight rowing every so often, which again kind of led me towards this is romantic love, but whatever. We'll skip over that. And then we finally get that final reveal from an old friend of Marnie's who's now old and is drawing the house and basically just fills the audience in and Marnie in on the exposition of her grandma of the tragic story of her life, which I felt was extremely sad and like very heartfelt and moving. But also from time to time, I was like, all right, this is a lot of tragedy piled on top of tragedy and piled on top of tragedy for one person. Yeah, I mean, it's a person's whole life across decades. But yeah, they lose their daughter uh, in a car accident. Um, They lose their husband a few years before that. And as a child, she was like tortured by her maids and uh, her parents didn't seem to care too much about her. And she ended up taking care of Anna for the first few years of her life and uh, then passed away. And Anna was left to uh, foster parents who cared deeply about her, um, but she didn't really get time with her biological family uh, that she could remember. Uh, until now when she got to hang out with Marnie, her grandmother, but like at her age, which is like pretty cool. It's like back to the future, like just bonding uh, with like your mother or your grandmother, like at your age. Yeah, exactly. And just I think part of the supernatural aspect and the part that makes the whole fantasy aspect intriguing is the fact that her grandma does say she failed her daughter because she wasn't there for her to let her know she was loved. And for some reason, her daughter never, Marnie's daughter never forgave her. But then Marnie told Anna, there will always be someone here for you. I am here for you. I will always be here for you. And I will love you more than anyone else on the planet, which is where it comes back full circle around to when Anna is seeing, you know, ghost Marnie and she's saying the same thing. Of I love you more than anyone. You're well loved. Your family loves you. Even if they're not your biological family, no, you also have, well, pretty much ghost family that loves you too. Yeah. Yeah. Who else haven't we talking about? We've we've talked we haven't talked about Tuichi, the mute uh rowboat paddler. Yeah. Well, and he's also kind of the first person who Anna sort of befriends. Yeah while she's there and doesn't just try to push away immediately. Yeah, they have like a silent understanding of each other. I thought at initially I thought they were just like cutting out any dialogue because it wasn't necessary, but then they later said he was mute. But see, that's why I love about this movie. They don't need dialogue to show these emotions. This is why I do this show. More American animations need to do this. Just no offense, sit down and shut up for a few minutes. Just for a few minutes and like take in life and take in the ideas and the thoughts you've been with and just watch these beautiful visuals. Basically, quit hyping everything up on sugar and be quiet for a second. Yeah, I I think animation like Pixar and Disney, at least, have been changing a lot recently just in like the themes they're willing to explore, like with Inside Out and uh, Turning Red. 
which I haven't seen yet, but they're, they are getting more adventurous with that kind of stuff and a little more mature because like kids can handle those lessons and those lessons are important. But you're right, the, the pacing of these movies, there's something to be learned from Ghibli. Like you don't need to be like hitting a beat every second to keep a kid's attention. Maybe you do, but I don't know. I think it's good for kids to kind of learn patience and being able to just sit with something and using that in entertainment. Like you can look at a screen and be relaxed for a second rather than just having something in your face every five seconds and trying to keep your attention. Yeah, and I think more movies in general could learn that lesson, not only for kids, but just for adults too. Is Not every movie needs to be go, 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 beat, 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 beat. You can have a moment to slow down and take everything in, even if it's for just a quick second. Whereas this movie, it's a lot of the movies sitting with these ideas and these thoughts and taking everything in. And again, some kids might be bored from that. That's fine. So be it. I want to try showing Ghibli movie to my nephew. He might like it. I'd be very interested to see, yeah, someone like your nephew watch it. I mean, Allie and her siblings grew up on Ghibli movies. Yeah. Although I will say a lot of Ghibli movies are definitely a lot more big, bombastic, and adventurous than this one, even though they do still take their time and take moments to sit down with the themes and everything. A lot of the other movies do move at a faster clip than this one. This one was particularly slower than normal. But I think it was refreshing. I like the slow pace and uh, it's a different kind of movie than I'm used to. It's like uh, uh, for a good portion of it, like relaxing and easy to watch. Yeah. And and it was a good kid friendly depiction of uh, struggling with self-esteem and depression and anxiety yeah good stuff (laughs) (laughs) yeah good stuff anxiety and depression good good film good films (laughs) yeah no this was a great movie i again like i said before if i were to give it some kind of rating probably give it yeah a solid eight out of ten just because it did it did throw me off at first, and I feel like it could go up to a 9 out of 10 or even a 10 out of 10 on a second watch. But yeah, I think for just throwing me off at first, like right now, currently, I'm sitting at an 8. Yeah, I think I'm sitting at an 8, too. I would put Spirited Away above this in terms of Ghibli movies, but this is like, it's in its own league. As, well, also, Spirited Away, that's like trying to compare any American film to like, Toy Story, you're not going to quite beat Spirited Away. Even if you have another Ghibli movie that you personally like more, it's almost almost universally agreed that Spirited Away is just one of the best animated films, period, of all time. Like, I think the American Film Society, it's in the top 10 movies of all time. I'm pretty sure. I think that's fair. Which I think is the only reason why we're not going to talk about Spirited Away on the show, because it's Neither underseen nor underrated. This one, at least, Studio Ghibli fans and anime fans have seen this movie. But I think the general public has generally either not heard of or skipped this one. Yeah, I haven't heard of it until when you mentioned it a couple weeks ago. Yeah, when this is one of the few Ghibli movies not directed by the creator of Studio Ghibli, Hayao Miyazaki. He does most of their movies. 
but this particular one was done by a different guy and all the props to him for just making this just as good as any one of the Miyazaki movies. Yeah. Now that Miyazaki is retiring, I think he has one film left uh, or so he says he's one of those guys who's retired like 12. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. He's been working on how do you live, which is a a adaptation from some book. Uh, He's been working on that for a couple of years now. And that's supposedly going to be his last movie. Um, but I think this director did a great job. I'd love to see more uh, films from him in the future. Yeah, definitely. All right. Let's move on to our recommends. Recommends. Recommends for the week. Do you want to go first or should I? Um, I'll go first. So I've been watching this reality show uh, called I Love a Mama's Boy. And it's... <laughs> It's basically about sons in relationships that are like way too close with their moms in the way that the mom is like intruding on the relationship and the girl uh, is complaining about it. Um, so there's a lot of drama with that. Um, there's one mom who's like way too involved in her son's wedding. Uh, she's really pushing this idea of a Vegas wedding and this like, vibrant red suit and a belt around the uh around the bride's waist uh and they want like a a summer camp wedding completely different aesthetic but the mom's like not willing to accept it so she's like so we're doing vegas right this is gonna be in vegas and then there's another one who goes lingerie shopping with his mom and she insists on getting matching lingerie with his girlfriend. <laughs> Sorry, I'm making gross <laughs> making gross faces for the uh audio only audience out there. They both have the same uh sexy robe and the girlfriend doesn't know until the mom like comes out wearing it uh after the guy gives her the gift. Uh, see, all appreciation to you being like, you know, this is stuff you like and you like what you like. <laughs> But this is just making me cringe the entire oh, time. It's I'm making like, me cringe too. That's the fun of it. Oh, see, that's not. Maybe it's just not my form of humor, or my form of like thing I'd watch because that just sounds like me sitting uncomfortably for a, a little while. Oh my gosh! And like, there's another mom who invites herself on a Valentine's date. There's two Valentine's dates. One of one of them is rock climbing. Uh, and then they were supposed to go to dinner together uh, afterwards. But the girlfriend put her foot down and said, uh, I want to have this alone time with my boyfriend. Uh, can you please, can this be our one thing together, the rock climbing, and then I'll do the dinner with him later. And she was very upset about that. And then while they were at dinner, the mom called her son and said, my knee hurts. Can you come massage it? And so he did. He just like dropped everything. And she was just like sitting by herself at this restaurant. See, these are the people that I would just look at. And I'm like, I don't believe you guys are real human beings. It's crazy. And then they, of course, they have like a reaction episode, too, where they all kind of like watch each other's episodes. And they're all cringing at each other for different reasons. Like, oh, they hold hands. Oh, they... She bought matching lingerie. That's crazy. But they all have like these different crazy things where they can't really judge each other. See, there there are multiple people that it's just like with these reality shows that I'm like, 
I don't believe any of these guys want to tell off their mom eventually and or that all these guys would have significant others mm-hmm. like at all. Yeah, it's like it's that the crazy. significant other one have just been like, I'm out. Maybe I don't on know like why any two. of them stay with their boyfriends. This is also the season I've been watching uh, was at the start of the pandemic. Uh, so some of it was filmed like early 2020 and then like mid season. It's March 2020. And a lot of these couples are like living with the mom uh, during the pandemic. So that just even that heightens the conflict even further. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Not going to lie. Again, love that you love these reality shows. They're not my cup of tea, but also. Yeah, no, that just sounds like cringe factor 5000. Yeah, it's good stuff, though. Good stuff. So what's your recommendation for this week? So going along the lines of, you know, with reality TV, so that's something that's not my cup of tea. I'm going to recommend an anime and particularly one that you probably wouldn't love just because it does follow a lot of those stereotypical anime tropes. But the thing I love about this one is it has all of its anime tropes, but it solves all of its problems through real world science. And the show is called Dr. Stone. So the general premise of the show is that everyone's hanging out. It's modern times. And then all of a sudden, for an unknown reason, there's just a big green beam of light. And every human being on the planet is turned to stone. For some unknown, ungodly reason. And then one day, this uh, one statue, this one kid named uh, Senku, breaks free, gets out. And it just so happens that Senku happens to be, you know, a next level genius, of course, because anime. So he's the Dr. Stone? He, he is the Dr. Stone. Do they turn into stone or are they uh, trapped in stone casts? They're, they're trapped in stone casts. This is the part where they realize that there is a science fiction element, but that Senku is going to figure it out through real world science. So the idea is that They are completely stone people, and for whatever reason, when nitric acid hits the stone people, it gets rid of the stone around them and retransforms them back into a person. So everyone turned into stone for about 3,700 years. Oh, wow. So a long time. So they were preserved in the stone. They didn't just, like, die? Yeah, no. So they're preserved in stone, and he wakes back up 3,700 years later. Is everything, like... Earth after humans, like overgrown. Yeah, there's Earth after humans. It's overgrown. And he goes and immediately wakes up his friend who's, you know, pretty much dumb, but has all the muscle on the planet and is Senku's best friend. So he obviously wakes him up is like, hey, I'm the brains. You're the brawn. And says he he basically in his very animated like way, he's just like, I'm going to rebuild civilization from scratch. This is exhilarating. (laughs) And well, that's what he goes to do. His whole thing is to rebuild civilization in the stone world. And in the meantime, through means of science, go ahead and wake up everyone else who has been turned to stone. And there's obviously a lot more developments that happen. I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say he runs into some humans that have been around but they're more they're they're more primitive they're still living in huts they have 
ritualistic duels. They're, you know, more or less just like a step above cave people, but a step below Greek society kind of thing. But they're settlers, and he comes to them with science and basically starts creating his kingdom of science. So all if you don't already like anime, this isn't going to be your cup of tea. Because all the characters and all the stories are very much like a typical anime, but just every single problem along the way is solved with science. Mm. It sounds really interesting. I really enjoyed this show. It's only a couple of seasons. It's getting its third soon. And yeah, if you're an anime fan, go check out Dr. Stone. If you're not an anime fan, might not be for you. Yeah, your two options this week are Dr. Stone or I Love a Mama's Boy. Yes, you get two diametrically opposed recommendations here, <laughs> to which most of the mo- most of our audience is probably going to be like, I will watch neither. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's been the podcast, everybody. Yeah. We did it. We, we did, did an it. episode. We did it. Woo. Woo. So next week, we're going to be doing a recommendation from Adam's fiance and my good friend Molly called Just Married. Don't know why I'm indulging her on this one, but also it is underseen technically, so it does fall under our criteria. And I think it will be nice because I think it might be the first movie that me and Adam have an actual disagreement on. So it'll be interesting to see. And that'll be our movie for next week. The only reason we're doing this is because we already watched it. And we were talking about doing another episode of the podcast, like, oh, what's going to be our next one? How about the movie we're watching now? Yeah. And again, Molly kept asking, I was like, why won't you do it? Why won't you do it? Come on, just do it. I'm like, you know what? Here it is, Molly. You get to hear my honest feelings next week on Not Your Average Movie Podcast. Not Your Average Movie Podcast. And you know what? This is probably our most not average movie that we're going to be doing, actually. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, so be prepared for that rant later on. Uh, If you really feel the need to watch the movie, go ahead and watch it. I wouldn't recommend it, but Adam might, so... It's aight. It's aight. Yeah, if you're in the mood for like a 2000s rom-com, go for it. That coming in more next week. You get to hear me rant and me and Adam have an actual like back and forth discussion about a movie that we might disagree on. A little scuffle, if you will. A little uh, boom pow. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you next week. All right. Bye-bye now. A young girl is sent. I'm going to fuck these up every time (laughs) for the longest time. A young girl is set along. What the hell is wrong with me? Uh, She's like a pop star now but at the time she just came off of like true grit which was like uh i think she won an oscar for that i mean Haley seinfeld is still a pretty big actor like she's oh, yeah? um you know hawkeye and marvel oh yeah i haven't watched marvel in a long time yeah she she's taking over hawkeye's thing what yeah. so she's gonna be the new hawkeye did hawkeye die <laughs> no 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 there's been a tv sh- the oh, tv yeah, show yeah, yeah. hawkeye she's yeah. like the new hawkeye okay yeah, so she's she's still acting for sure. I think she was also in uh, Arcane recently. Mm, yeah. She's the main character in Arcane, I believe. Yeah, she is. 
So yeah, you know, she's still acting out there. I haven't heard any of her music. I forgot that she was a pop star. We're trying uh, to. Yeah, I think she does that song. I wasn't starving until I... <laughs> I didn't know that I was starving till I tasted you. Didn't know that I didn't Which is what went through my head when I saw that food in this movie. <laughs> exactly. That fried egg. That fried egg. Spoilers. We're playing spoiler music. Playing spoiler. Music. Both me and Am just enjoy our little melodies. Yeah. I need to show you. There's a song that Keegan showed me um the other day where it's literally just a guy counting to 100, but he does it in different beats and intonations that it just kind of sounds like a kind of like a drum beat sort of thing. And it's just him counting to 100 for the whole song. Nice. And I'm like, I'm like, this is goofy and silly and goes like a TikTok song. But also then I listen to it. I'm like, Shit, it's a good song. And he's only counting to 100. That's definitely a good TikTok song. Yeah, it's really, it's weird. But I'm surprised it hasn't become bigger. Like, he can found it on TikTok, but I'm surprised it's not a wider sound. Mm-hmm. All right. To the spoilers. To the spoilers. That was nice. Did you see sales. her chop a pepper? Ooh. Oh, yeah. Wait till she chops a pig. Or was it a <laughs> uh, tomato? I don't know, but that looked good too. I think I think it was a tomato. Yeah, oh, that food is terrible. I'm gonna keep going back to the food thing, even mm-hmm. if I have to cut a few out and put it in the spot in the uh, outtakes. Is there like a Studio Ghibli equivalent of Ratatouille? I don't think so. It's the perfect formula for a Ghibli movie. You got like a little animal buddy that sends you on an adventure and good food. And and profit. <laughs> <laughs> I keep messing up this name. I'm like when Barney where, was there. When Marnie was there, I keep wanting to I say, "I love where, you. You <laughs> love me." Where Marnie go? 